Amen. <clears throat> well, good morning, Coastal Church. Good to see you this morning. Thank you, worship team. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, <clears throat> I'm Pastor Sean. I'm the pastor here. So it's only funny if you've been here the last two weeks and wonder where's our pastor. So anyway, uh, do me a favor. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to pick up where I left off a couple weeks ago. And uh, if you have a Bible, uh, turn there. If you don't have one, there's probably one in the chair in front of you. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, do me a favor, take that one with you, okay? Uh, one of the little things I've learned in my many years of serving here as pastor is the uh, tremendous value of, for me, for longevity, of taking a couple weeks in a row off. And so I really want to thank you, church family, for allowing me to do that. It's always very refreshing internally, and it's just something I found that it helps me for uh, uh, the, the, the marathon that I hope to run in ministry. So um, yeah, we're going to dive in here in Romans chapter 12, and, and uh, there's a handout there. You can follow along with me while you're, while you're kind of getting geared up. I want to remind you, actually, we're a couple weeks away. We're kind of tailing, coming on the tail end of vacation time, and today's a rainy, yucky day. But I do want to remind you, if this is your church home, you know, in a couple weeks, uh, when school kind of kicks back off, our 11 o'clock service is always a service that we have trouble with seating and parking. And so uh, obviously, you're like, well, we're at the 9 o'clock service. Why are you telling? us. Just a kind of a gentle reminder that, you know, uh, in the fall, uh, if you and your family, again, I want you to come to whatever service best works for your family. But if you can, if you can make it either the Saturday night at 6 or, or Sunday at 9, those are always our uh, uh, services where we have the most room and that frees up opportunities for people that are uh, usually when people are checking out Coastal, they come at 11. So uh, we always want to make room for people that are investigating Coastal to come. So thank you for putting that in your thoughts and minds, okay? Okay. Um, you know, one of the, the strongest land animals in the world is the Belgian draft horse. Uh, the Belgian draft horse uh, uh, can pull. In fact, there's been competitions with these horses. Uh, in one competition, uh, in some competitions, a single Belgian draft horse can pull up to 8,000 pounds of weight one horse. In these competitions, they have they've they've taken times where they've taken two Belgian draft horses that well, were not familiar with each other, and they linked up two horses together. And those two horses together uh, in competition, two strange horses have pulled. Guess how much weight together? Anybody guesses? 16,000, right, would be what you would think. Actually, when you link two Belgian horses together, uh, they can pull upwards of 24,000 pounds. Two strange horses to one another can pull almost, working together can pull almost three times their weight. If you take two Belgian draft horses and you train them, and teach them to pull in unity and work in harmony together, they can pull nearly four times the weight as one horse all by himself, up near 32,000 pounds. You know, here this morning we're going to... <clears throat> Work. We've been working our way through the book of Romans. And so if you've stayed with us, okay, we started this back shortly after Easter and, and we went through Romans chapter 1 all the way through Romans chapter 11 and it's been it's been challenging and it's been theological and we've, de we've, we've, we've delved into the mysteries of God and, and how he's working out salvation. And if you've been in small group that's doing sermon-based small groups, you've probably had some really interesting conversations over the course of the summer. I know I have had some interesting and challenging conversations. And a couple weeks ago when we do dove into Romans 12, I said there's a big transition here from kind of the theological where Paul gets really practical and he reminds us with a, the one word, therefore, 
stories uh, because of all this stuff we talked about. There's this transition to the practical. And Paul talks about in Romans 1 and 2 that we're transformed by our, the renewing of our minds. We worship God in everyday life. And so Paul here in, cha- in chapter 12, verse 3, he makes a very practical transition. From all this theology, all how God has loved us in Christ, the righteousness of Christ is given to us by grace alone, through faith alone. All that deep stuff, he now says, listen, we're going to make a very practical application to you worship God because of all that God has done for us in Christ. We worship God in a very practical way in what we're going to call the body of Christ. It's a New Testament illustration that God gives us to define what the church is like. And he calls the church the body of Christ. By the how many of you, so I know who I'm talking to, how many of you here this morning said, yes, I've heard that term before, the body of Christ? Anybody raise your hand? Okay, probably two-thirds of you, okay? So it's a, it's a New Testament term that Paul often uses to describe the local church. That the the church is literally here on earth, the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And we're going to unpack this illustration here this morning. But before we do, I want you to see this. Paul gives this church in Rome a very stern warning in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. He says this. He says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Here's the warning. Ready? Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Now, I want to I stop here for a minute. Church, if you're going to serve God by serving in the local church, it starts with right thinking. Isn't it interesting, by the way, as we've gone through Romans, how much Paul talks about our mind and the, and the way we choose to think? That thinking leads to believing, which leads to action, right? And so it starts, if you're going to serve in a local body, if you're going to serve in a local church, and by the way, whenever you're serving in a church, in a ministry, it's gonna, you're going to encounter difficulties. You want to know why? People are difficult, okay, if you didn't know that. People are difficult, and if you're going to serve, it's going to be difficult. And Paul says, listen, if you're going to serve for any length of time, it starts with right thinking. And the right thinking is two things. One, you need to have humility. Don't think too highly of yourself. Put yourself in the right position in the grand scheme of things. It starts with humility. And it, the second thing is you got to love God and love people. It starts with love for others. Paul, uh, in, Rome, in 1 Corinthians, a letter to another local church, he says, 1 Corinthians 8, he says, but while knowledge makes us feel important, it's love that strengthens the church. Isn't that interesting? See, we live in a culture, Christ, American Christianity, we have, we have more information. We have more access to knowledge than any church that's ever been on the planet for 2,000 years. We have so much of it. And by the way, knowledge is important. And we've talked about the importance of right thinking, so I don't want to undermine that. But if you have knowledge without love, you're nothing. It's not knowledge that strengthens the church. It's, It's love for others. And if you're going to be a part of the body of Christ, Paul says it starts in your mind. You have to have right thinking. First, you have to have humility. And second, you have to have love for other people. Then he says, if you're going to serve in the body of Christ, you have to have an honest evaluation of yourself, an honest evaluation of the part that you're going to play. My uh, my wife and I are a little bit old school, okay? We still, as a family, 
Uh, we still enjoy American Idol. So I know that that thing's kind of passed, but we still kind of enjoy it, right? And, uh, and so it's coming up, you know, it usually comes up right around the first of the year. And uh, my favorite part, my favorite part is, is the early auditions of American Idol. I don't really care once it gets down to the top ten because they can all sing and they're all good at that point, okay? I like the people that can't sing, right? That's my favorite part. And, and you know, these people get on there and they're croning away, much like me. And by the way, at the end of the service, you know, we're going to have give you an opportunity to sign up for some ministries and find a place to plug in here into this local body. And so yesterday after, after the... Uh, Saturday service, I went up and I signed up for music with Joey, right? I'm going to do an audition, a vocal audition, see what he says to his boss. So see how that goes. But anyway, but you know, I always love the early rounds of American Idol where these people can't sing, right? And they get up there and they're crooning away. And one of the judges will inevitably ask them, you know, who told you you could sing, right? And usually they get, well, my mom told me I was really good, you know? Like, like if the only honest evaluation you're getting is your mom, okay? That might not be as honest as you really need if God's going to use you to your fullest, right? And so, and, and this is a shameless plug. Uh, Bethany Lay teaches a fantastic class uh, called our Serve class. And it is a great opportunity for you to kind of go, man, get an honest evaluation. How did God knit me up? What are, how do my passions and my gifts intersect so that I can serve God in the body of Christ. And Paul says, listen, I want to give you a stern warning. Before we plug in this idea of the body of Christ, you need to have the right thinking. There needs to be love for others and humility, and you need to have an honest evaluation of yourself. The second thing that Paul reminds us of is that God always uses unified diversity. I want you to hear that again. God always uses unified diversity. I want, you, I want to remind you of the context of this letter, remember? We've been kind of hitting on this, that in this letter, it's, there's this, this new movement of the work of the Spirit, and he's birthing all throughout the area where Jesus taught of, of, these, little, of these little small house churches that are beginning to grow. In fact, uh, at Pentecost, we see, man, 3,000 came to Christ. And one day, church, could you imagine if God sent us 3,000 people next weekend? I mean, uh, you know, wow. Well, we, we're, I don't even know that we're structured for it. I don't even know where we'd sit, right? And that's why I always say, that's why I talk about what I talked about at the beginning here about parking and seeing. It's very important. That we always have the mind, God may want to send us more people. we got to be ready for that, okay? And so, and so Paul here is saying, listen, you know, this new church in Rome, there's these, these Jewish believers and these Gentile believers are trying to figure it out. And Paul reminds them, listen, he says, God always uses a unified diversity. Romans chapter 12, verse 4, he says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a very, its own special function. Now, Paul unpacks this more in 1 Corinthians 12, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to go there this morning, but in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about how in the body, in the human body, which is his illustration, you know, the body's not one big mouth, right? If there was just one big mouth, there'd be no seeing, there'd be no smell, right? And then God always uses different gifts in different people, and there's a, a unified diversity. A couple of weeks ago, as I, one of the things that it, 
You know, I like to do when I take a week, and I call it a study week, and I just immerse myself in the Word of God and prayer and where I, things I'd like to teach on at Coastal over the coming year. And, and I was reading through Exodus. I read large chunks of Scripture during that time, and I was reading through Exodus, and this really stuck out to me in Exodus 31, verse 6. And, and to give you a little context here, God had given Moses the plans to build a tabernacle. The tabernacle was kind of a mobile corporate meeting space for the people of Israel, and it was beautiful, and he gave all the plans of how it was to be made, and it was to be made beautifully. And and this is what he says in Exodus chapter 31, verse 6, verse 1 through 6 says, then the Lord said to Moses, I love this. And by the way, if you're here this morning, maybe you're here this morning, you're investigating the claims of Christ and Christianity is a little bit new to you. I can almost guarantee you've heard the name Moses, right? I mean, everybody in our culture has heard the name Moses. And so God here is talking to Moses. This is what he says. He says, look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur of the tribe of Judah. He says, I've, I've, I've put my finger on this guy. And he says this, I says, I have filled him with the spirit of what? Of God. Listen to this. To do what? Like you're thinking, wow, he must, God must have something really huge for him to do. I filled him with the spirit of God, giving him great wisdom and ability and expertise in all kinds of what? Isn't that interesting? He is a master craftsman. He's an expert in working with gold and silver and bronze. He's skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and carving wood. He's he's a master in every craft. You know, I love this because as I read this, I thought, wow, you know, God has specifically appointed this guy to be a carpenter, if you will. And to help build this tabernacle and, and, and God and put the spirit of God on. And some of you are like, well, especially those of you in this room that are handy, right? You're like, oh, that's not really a spiritual thing. Yes, it is, okay? Friday night, I was, uh, my wife and I we were grilling some hamburgers out on my back deck. And I walked over on the back corner of my deck. And, and there on my deck were two rotted boards. My foot almost went all the way through them. And a sense of panic came over me like, Oh, man, I've got rotted wood. What am I going to do? Now, those of you who are handy, like, how can you be panicked over rotted wood? I literally, I look at wood, and I go, I have no idea what to do, okay? Now, before you laugh at me, okay, you drop me into the middle of a wedding ceremony, and I'm fine in that setting, okay? So, so you fixer-uppers, all right? We've, God made us different. And here God says, listen, you know, I've made this guy, and he's good, he's good at it. And then he says this. This is cool, verse 6. And I have personally appointed whatever that name is, son of whoever that is, all right, of the tribe of Dan to be his what? Nobody wants to be the assistant, right? Well, what did God say about that? I have what? Personally what? Appointed him. And I've given him special skill and gifted craftsmen so they can make all the things I've commanded them to make. Here's my point. Some of you in this room, God has personally appointed to serve in a ministry that gets really, doesn't get a whole lot of recognition, right? And listen, I've been ministering for 13 years and I know when you do ministry, it's difficult. And it's emotional because you're dealing with people that you love and it's challenging. But I, And some of you are like on the verge, man, maybe I'm going to get out. Some of you have been sitting here and you haven't really been serving anywhere. I want to encourage you. There is a place that God has appointed you to serve in the body of Christ. No doubt about it if you're a follower of Christ. You've got a role to play. 
Maybe you've been personally appointed as a greeter or as a, as a parking team member or a children's worker or one of our missions and one of our men's ministries. I, went, I could go on and on of all the ministries. Like Bethany said during announcements, we have over 100 ministries at Coastal that help us make this church go. And you maybe you've been personally appointed for one of those to serve there. Last week, I... Um, <clears throat> I did something different. I, uh, since I wasn't preaching before I <clears throat> came to our 11 o'clock service, I actually went and attended another church. I just wanted to go see what they were doing, how they were doing it, things like that. And I went and attended. And uh, if you're a regular here, I want to remind you that when you go to another church, it's scary, right? First time. It's weird. Like, I don't know where to go. And I, and I got up that morning, and I almost talked myself out of it. I was so nervous to go to another church. Like, I'm not going, you know. The, and so finally, I went, and, and I went in, and, and their parking team made me feel so welcome. It was so cool. And I got out, and they showed me where to go. They welcomed me. They said, thanks for coming. And then I walked in, and, and the greeting team, they had a greeting team, and their greeting team really didn't pay much attention to me. And I walked in, and I was kind of looking around. I didn't really know where to go. It was a new place. You know, I finally found my way. I got seated. When I left, I got welcomed on the way out. The parking team made me feel welcome again, you know, just so I'm noticing these things as I'm going, like, what does it feel like to go here for the first time? And, and there were some groups that were really intentional in this church to, to minister to me as I came in, and some that weren't, right? And, and I thought, man, you know, some of these people, they recognize they may be personally appointed by God to serve in that area of ministry. Then I came here and I, I parked in, our, in the back, kind of, I park usually back over here and, and I kind of snuck in the back and, and I saw our parking team. And this was really cool, you know, our parking team, I was watching our lead parking team guy, and I'm not going to give you his name, give you his initials, his, his initials are Doug Hazel, right? And so Doug, <laughs> Doug Hazel, I watch a car come in, and here's our parking team, and here's Doug Hazel, like this, you know, and he was just into it, you know, and I was like, that is so cool, you know? And he was, like, he was making people feel welcome. Why? Because he understands that he might be personally appointed that week to greet somebody that maybe for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time is going to re-engage with God's son, Jesus Christ, through his local church. You see that? Took his ministry seriously. And at Coastal Man, we're unified under the vision that we want to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we're trying to do. But everybody's got a spot to play. And maybe you're personally appointed to just be an assistant. And we may think that's no big deal. But God thought it was such a big deal that this guy's name, who I can't even pronounce, got put in the good book, right? Because God said, I'm using you for something. Your name's not Moses and your name's not the lead carpenter. But man, I've got a spot for you. And God always uses a unified diversity. Third thing Paul says is that each of you has a unique place in his body in the local church. Each of you has a unique place in his body. Romans chapter 12, <clears throat> verse 5 and 6, Paul says, So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other in his grace. I, uh, all my years of pastoring, I would say a majority of the prayer requests that come in to the local church have to do with the physical, the breakdown of the physical body. Say so that's a majority of the prayer requests. That's not a bad thing. I mean, it's just a thing, right? You know, the body's an amazing thing. The human body is an amazing thing, right? I mean, it's, it's got, those of you in the medical field, you'll know better than me, but I think it's 10 or 11 various systems that work in unity, Right? neurological system, the cardio system, right, the skeletal system. 
And what's interesting about our human body is how much we don't really pay it much attention until one of the systems isn't working right, right? And then when one of the systems isn't working right, we put, you know, man, we do whatever. We put a prayer request in, right? Hey, man, I need, I need, I'm having my knee replaced, the heart thing, and a neurology, the skeletal system, right? And if you're like me, and then most of the, you guys are probably, most of the men are probably this way. Like, I get, I get like a runny nose, you know, like my stuffy nose. And all of a sudden, man, I'm walking around with a limp. Why are you limping? Well, my nose is stuffed up, you know? Like, that's, that's what men do, and, and uh, <clears throat> you know. And one little part's not working right, and man, I could barely get out of bed and go the next day. One little part's not functioning right. But it's not like that in church life. And the illustration Paul uses several times in the New Testament is that the church is a body, and everybody's got a part to play. And what we have in America is a bunch of churches filled with people that attend, but they're not serving. They're not a part of the body. And can I be honest with you? The body is broken. And here's what's interesting, guys. We just did this long study of theology, you know, about justification and what it means to be made right with God, that we're sinners, we're dead in our sins, we're separated from God, but God does this amazing work through Christ and we're credited righteousness. And then we got into the mystery of the wisdom of God in Romans 9, 10, and 11 and how God is working. And then Paul says, because of all the great works of God, therefore you worship God. And the very first thing he says is you worship God by being a part of his life local body is church now notice i inserted the word local i hear this a lot well i'm a i'm a believer in the universal church i'm like i don't really know how you commit yourself to serving the universal church the only thing i can talk about is serving a local body committing yourself to saying i'm going to be a part and serve god there isn't that interesting that's the first thing that paul hits at get involved and serve one another in your church body you bring a gift You are a gift. You're a gift of grace to others. And I believe that the reason that our churches in America are so sick and feeble is because we got a church of a a culture of takers instead of a culture of givers. We need to be maturing to where we're self-feeders. You know what a self-feeder is? That's what term I use behind the scenes here, Coastal, that you mature to, to, into a place where you can feed yourself spiritually so that you can give to others. Because you're ultimately, you're here to give. If you have, a, if you have an infant in your home, it's, it's natural to do everything for them, right? I mean, God, they have, you have to feed them, you have to clothe them, bathe them, change them. But if you have a 13-year-old that you're still feeding, right? Like, you've got issues, right? Here's how it works in my house. I have a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old. Sometimes late at night, I'll hear, hey, Dad! They're in the couch, in the other room, maybe in the living room. Hey, Dad, yeah, what's up? Can you get me some cereal? Can you get me a bowl of ice cream? Yes, son, listen, the last thing I want to do is interrupt your viewing of Duck Dynasty. Please, you remain where you are, you know, and I will serve you. No, that's not how it goes in my house. You know what I yell back? You have two healthy, what? Good, I'm not the only one who says that. I just want to make sure. You have two healthy legs. Get up and get it yourself, all right? Self-feeder. Many of us, we leave our local churches and we go, I didn't get anything out of it. I didn't get anything out of that today. 
church, I want to encourage you. There's some of you here this morning that are longtime followers of Jesus Christ. You need to hear this this morning. You have two healthy legs, okay? You need to find a spot to serve and give. Why? Because you're a gift to this church body. You, you bring something to the table. And by the way, the body is worse off for it if you're not involved. Wow, we're hurting. The cardio system's not working right. We should be in prayer about that. You're, Paul goes on to say, you're, really, you're literally a gift of God's grace. Did you know that the incredible task of making sure that every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every person on planet Earth has an opportunity to know Jesus Christ as Savior has been left to the church? That's how it's going to get done. God's not going to paint it in the sky one day. It's left to you and I. You and I are the gift that God is using to spread the name and fame of Jesus Christ. Isn't that crazy? That doesn't hardly make sense to me. Surely there's got to be a better way. You're the way. You are what God is doing on planet Earth. And Paul says this in Romans 12, 6. He says, so God has given you the ability to prophesy. Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Two quick points I want to pull out of this. First of all, if your gift that God has given you to this church body, you need to use it well. Now, here's what I think that means, okay? Just because you have a gift doesn't mean you don't hone it and you don't work on it. You, you, you continue to stretch yourself and become, you, become more, uh, you become better at the gift that God has given you. I know that you know, for myself, I, I started preaching when I was like 18 or 19 years old. I went to the local rescue mission. Almost every week, probably 25, 30 times a year, and I just, I just did it over and over and over. To this day, I, read, I eat up preaching articles every week. I read a, several leadership books because I want to learn to lead better. I want to I do better at what God has called me to do, the task at hand. I've worked hard on this, and I want to encourage you, whatever your gift, whatever your place is, to continue to improve. The second thing Paul says is we use our gift in faith. Here's what I think that means. This is what I think that means, okay? I could be wrong about this. Here's what I think it means. I think to, to serve God in faith means that we serve in the body, but we trust God for two things. One, the distribution of the gift. In other words, if you got the gift of preaching, for me, I have the gift of preaching and teaching. I can go on YouTube and find way better preachers and teachers than me, okay? No question. Better communicators. But I trust God that he gives his degree of ability to use as he sees fit. The second thing is I trust God with the amount of influence. My faith is to trust God with the amount of influence that he wants me to have. He expands the influence. I don't have to force that. And so I serve where I am. I, I roll up my sleeves. I go to, I lead well, as, he, as, as Paul said. And I, I encourage others if that's my gift. And I, I give generously and I, and, and, and I, and I uh, serve and I teach or whatever my gift is. I do it in the, in the little sphere of influence that God has given me. And he'll take care of expanding that when he sees fit. But in the meantime, I'm going to serve faithfully where I'm at. Every single one of you sitting here this morning that's a follower of Jesus Christ is a gift to his church. 
You have a, you have a spot to plug in and serve him. I want to finish with a story, and then we're, I'm going to let you out early here today. Come back to that in a minute. Um, guy, guy's name was Herman Ostry. He, he uh, owned a farm in Nebraska. He bought his farm, and uh, the creek by his barn flooded one time, and his barn took on almost 30 inches of water. Well, this made Herman nervous, and he decided, you know, if that creek ever flooded ever even more than that, it might sweep his barn off his foundation. So he decided he wanted to move his barn about 150 feet away onto another foundation. He didn't necessarily want to tear the whole thing down and rebuild it on the new foundation, so he was trying to figure out a way to do it. And so what he ended up doing is he laid the foundation about 150 feet away, and then he, he with some welding gear, he welded a lattice on the inside uh, of steel, on the inside and outside of this barn, and he placed 350 handles all around the out, steel handles all the way around the outside of this barn. Then Herman called 344 of his closest friends, and in less than three minutes, these 344 people picked up a handle on this 17,000-pound barn, moved it 150 feet, and placed it gently on its new foundation. How'd that happen? Because nearly 350 people picked up a handle and carried their little portion. You know, as I thought about this story, I thought, you know, isn't it frightening that God would leave such a large task of spreading the name and fame of Jesus Christ to the world to people like us, people like me, people that get selfish and People have a hard time liking each other, and people have a hard time living in community, and certainly people that have a difficult time lifting up to the ideal of representing Christ. Yet, the way that task is accomplished, this awesome task of spreading the gospel of Christ, is when we each grab a handle, and we lift and we carry. And so this morning, yes, I'm going to let you out a few minutes early, but my hope is that you won't use this opportunity to bolt right to your car. It's pouring down rain anyway, okay? So, so I want to encourage you, man. We have ministries that are in, you got your little map there spread out all throughout this building. And I can guarantee there's one where you, go, you will be a gift to other people. You're sitting here this morning like, I don't really know where I'm supposed to serve. Like, I'll see them, and I'm not sure. I'll encourage you to sign up for our next serve class. And then we've got serve coaches that will help you. But find a place to plug in and serve. I want to finish with this, and we'll close with prayer. A couple weeks ago, we did our baptism. <clears throat> and uh, whenever we do our baptism, um, I, I listen. We, you know, we allow the person that's being baptized to tell their story about how they came to Christ. And and we make it a big deal at Coastal. It's probably one of my favorite services. And last couple weeks ago, I was listening. I think it was our 9 o'clock, one of the young men being baptized. He was telling the story about how he, <clears throat> he, uh, he's been serving in the military, serving in Afghanistan. And part of his spiritual journey was listening to the sermons of Coastal Community Church online and how much that ministered to him and encouraged him. Now, here's what stuck out. And this is what I always listen for in, in, in testimonies. I listen for the, your ministries. And by the way, I'm starting to change a term in church life. I hear this a lot with a lot of young people. Hey, I want to go into ministry. How many people, when someone says that, you know what they mean, right? I, I want to go into ministry. I've, I'm changing that term a little bit, okay? The term I'm starting to use is when someone says it to me, I said, oh, you want to go into vocational ministry. Why have I changed that term? Because everybody's in ministry if I'm reading my Bible right. 
Everybody's in ministry if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. The word ministry at its root has the word serve in it. Everybody has a, has a place to serve and serve Christ and serve others. So always listen when people are giving their testimonies about your ministries where you're serving. And so this young man, he, I don't know if you heard that, but he said, man, the, the online ministry really ministered to me. And I got to thinking about that as he was talking. I thought, man, you know, some of y'all have, have donated generously to Coastal Community Church so that we could buy the equipment necessary to video and edit. And that's not, it's not easy and it's not cheap, okay? And we were able to, and, and then there's, there's a team of people that come each service and video it and edit it. And then, and then we've got a, guy, a, a gentleman that uploads it. Usually by Sunday afternoon, no later than Monday morning, spends his time, donates his time. It took him all, the learning curve was steep for him to learn to edit video and upload it. And we had to buy technology and your generous donations helped us do that. You know, and, and, and now we, you know, one of the things we're dreaming about is building a team of people that will help upload our services online so others can hear. And as this young man gave his testimony, what I thought about was the body of Christ. That would never be there. He would have never been ministered to in Afghanistan if it wasn't for some people going, you know what, this is important. I'm going to grab a handle and I'm going to lift. I'm going to walk with my little portion of ministry to honor Christ and see what God doesn't do through the ministry of this local church. And so I want to encourage you as you leave here today, take a few minutes, wander around, find a place to grab a handle and serve God by serving his church. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for everybody here. I want to look out in this room, man. I am just, I am humbled by the opportunities here. I'm humbled by your gifts to the body. There's, there's different passions here. Some, some are passionate about kids, and, and some are passionate about structure, and some are passionate about downtown missions and ministries. Some are passionate about college students. Some are passionate about high school students. And, some are passionate about women. Some are passionate about marriages. and Some are passionate about men's ministry. and Some are passionate about our weekend services and you know, making people feel welcome. There's just hundreds of opportunities here, God. And I'm excited as I look out at your body. I say, man, every person here is a gift. and has an opportunity to serve the King of Kings. And Father, may each of us take our ministry and may we do it well. And may we do it with the faith that you've given us for the glory of God and the fame of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, this is our offering time. If you're a guest with us this morning, first of all, thank you so much for being here. I want you to know we are not after your money. Uh, this is just one of the ways we worship God at Coastal. If you'd like to join us in that, we certainly welcome you to. As a guest, I'd love to have one thing from you. On the side of that bulletin is a tear-off. If, we call it a connect card if you'll fill that out. And uh, we just want to send you a thank you for coming. Uh, and then after Joey dismisses you guys, I really want to encourage you. Find a place, walk around for a few minutes, see if there's a place that you can pick up the handle and serve God in his body. Joey.
joy in our song.